Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 310. I am Rachel Heron, and I'm so pleased that you are here with me today as we are talking to Maddie Dawson, who is hilarious hilarious and wonderful and sweet and funny. And um, we are talking about overnight success and how many damn years it takes to get to overnight success. You are going to absolutely love this interview with Maddie Dawson and you will be left inspired and uplifted. So please stick around for that. It's fantastic. Okay. What's going on around here? I'll keep it short because I had a migraine last night and I am dumb today trying to be as smart as possible. But sometimes after a migraine, I feel like it's actually like my brain is still swollen. And when I move my head too fast, it's like it bumps around. It doesn't quite fit. And my thoughts are not quite clear, so I will. Um, I'll make this opening short. I'm already. I'm already babbling. What's been going on? I have been writing, 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 and revising. Mostly revising, but a lot of writing. As I said to, um, I think it was 90 Day Revision class that opened this week. It was so exciting uh, that somebody said, "Is it true there's still first drafting in revision?" And oftentimes there is, and so I've been doing quite a bit of that. Also, I've been writing an end for this book, which didn't have an ending because that's just the way I work. And it's so fun, y'all. I have gotten to the end. As I record this, it's Thursday. I will deliver this book on Monday. I think I'm going to have a little bit of time to spare. I think that, honestly, I will write either the very, very, you know, like the end after the epilogue today or tomorrow. And then I will have the weekend to do my last read through fix up. I've already done, I've already revised the book, but I do need to revise these new first draft words I'm writing in the end. And um, so the book is already very, very clean. And then I will do a run through to see if it really holds together. And then I will send it to my developmental editor on Monday. And I hit this deadline, which was super fast. It will have been, I think I counted 11 weeks from beginning, starting the novel from zero writing the whole thing and then revising it. And I think it's going to be about 95,000 words, which for me is very fast. For me as a thinking, slow, high intellection in terms of the Clifton Strengths person, this has been so fun. It's been so fun. And what I have learned from it has been so great. And I can't wait to share some of those things with you all. Uh, but I'm just very, very excited. Also, I'm tired and I'm ready to get this off my desk and maybe have a few days off next week. I have not taken a day off in a while in the last week or two because this deadline was over my shoulder and breathing down my neck. And so I haven't had a weekend, but I'm looking forward to a weekend at some point. Like I said, the 90-day classes opened and the week that they open is such a joyful thing for me because I get to look at these fresh new groups these two Zoom rooms full of incredible people who are going to be going through something so transformative and wonderful. And I can kind of picture them on the last day when they have their books in their hands, either first drafted or revised, depending on which class they're in. And it's so exciting. Um, And it's a really good group of people. 
and I've got my grads class running and they're amazing. So I just feel really, really happy with where I am in terms of my job. I love my job. I love writing. I love teaching and I love podcasting. I don't like so much like, you know, email and the the mechanical, you know, advertising, that kind of thing. That kind of thing leaves me cold. But the stuff that really takes my heart and soul and brain, I love doing. And I am so grateful. I am, there's never a day that I'm not grateful that I don't get to do this. And I'm, there's never a day that I am not grateful that you are here along for the ride, picking up tips as we go. I get inspiration and information from every single person I talk to. Speaking of information, um, get a lot of information. I give a lot of information and sometimes it's just wrong. Let me clarify what I said last week on the mini episode. Uh, vellum as a um, as a tool to format your book, it does not exist on PC, just on Mac. In my head, it was Scrivener and I know Scrivener was just Mac for so long and then it went to PC. And for some reason I got that shift in my head attached to Vellum. I was like, yes, I, I remember Vellum finally went to PC. Vellum has not gone to PC yet. Vellum is such a strong product um, for, for Mac that sometimes I would recommend even thinking about getting a Mac just to do this and I uh, just, to, just to use Vellum. And I don't say that lightly. Um, but there is, yes, there it is. Uh, Atticus is um, one that is used for PC and uh According to my friend Penn, it's pretty cheap. I have not look at, looked at it. And Readsy also has a free formatting tool to kind of um, play around with if you want to do that. If you do have a Mac, though, just use Vellum. Everything is easier. So I am sorry that I got that totally wrong. And as soon as Penn pointed it out, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, you're totally, totally right. Totally right. So uh, I think that was all I need to say today before we jump into this interview with Maddie Dawson. Let's do this. Um, here's a bio for her. Maddie Dawson is the author of nine novels, including the best-selling and wonderful Matchmaking for Beginners and three nonfiction humor books about parenting from when that used to be funny. She comes from a long line of Southern storytellers, also known as self-proclaimed bald-faced liars, but she's the only one who thought she'd try to make a living at it. She has three kids who grew up and now lives with her husband in Guilford, Connecticut. Her most recent novel is The Magic of Found Objects. Okay, you're going to love this one. Enjoy. Please get some of your own writing done. Please come tell me about it. And I wish you very happy writing. Here we go with the interview. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Well, I am so pleased to welcome to the show. Welcome you to the show. Will you please share your name and pronouns with us? Maddie Dawson, she and her. Thank you, Maddie. It is a thrill to meet you. We were just chatting off air and we're already friends. So um, <laughs> already friends, but we have the mutual friend of Holly Robinson who introduced us and she told me about you and your writing in your most recent book, which is The Magic of Found Objects. And I really think you came up because, and I'm not sure if you know this, but um, because I'm making this switch from, you know, I've written like now five genres and I'm, I might be going into a sixth, which is this women's fiction with light light magical realism, but really about finding magic and finding the universe speaking to you in different ways. So 
reading oh, the magic of found objects was so delightful for me. So glad to hear that. It's so beautifully was, written too. I was really sort of um, uneasy when I started incorporating these little touches of magic. And I I'm thought, very uneasy oh. too. Yeah. He's like, all my friends are cynics, you know, nobody's going to speak to me. You know? I've been a cynic up until about four years ago when I suddenly was very uncynical, but. Exactly. And that's what happened to me. I didn't know what to write about. And it was right after the election, not to bring politics into it. Oh, we can always bring politics into it. I'm sure we have the same ones. I'm sure we do. I'm everyone sure we do. who everyone who doesn't share those opinions has, has already self-selected out of this they podcast. Don't, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> so Trump had been elected and everyone I knew was in just despair. Yeah. And I started, I just crawled off in my little space and started writing a book which was matchmaking for beginners, which was about this woman who inherits a house and with it, all kinds of magical abilities, you know? I haven't and read that I one yet. I can't wait. Guilty writing it. You know, it was like my little secret pleasure. I would be out writing this and I thought nobody's ever going to like it. And when the first person I asked to blurb it, loved it and became my, like my best friend and following me around, I thought, huh. And then that's the book of mine that caught on more than any other. And people were writing to me and saying, this is just what I needed is to believe in magic again. So thank you yeah. for saying that though. The one thing that is leading me through writing this book, which is actually on hold while I revise this memoir, but then I'll get back into it is for the first time in my life, I'm, I'm letting the book lead me. I'm asking it to lead yes. me instead of trying to bully it around. And I'm having more fun writing it than I ever have. But also I have that doubt that anybody will ever want to read that right. kind of thing. Right. right. It's true. I really let that book up to the main character whose name is Blix and she's this old woman. And honestly, she would wake me up in the middle of the night and I would get up and do whatever she said. You know, I would, it was just like taking dictation. It was the easiest book I've ever written. And I, I feel like I didn't write it. It just kind of came through me. It sounds so crazy to say. I'm looking forward to that feeling someday. I still, I still haven't <laughs> I ta tapped into except that yet. Except for the dread and the self-doubt. It's great. <laughs> All of that that goes along with writing. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. I love this story. Okay. So let's talk about your writing process because you do a lot. You get a lot done. This is not your only pen name we we can say so where does all this writing happen when and where and how how do you do it well I try to write every day um I've I knew since the time I was five or six years old that I wanted to be a writer and I would always just go off and write stories while all my friends were riding bicycles and you know swinging from the trapeze and I was this kid that just sat and scribbled, you know, um, and took notes on what everybody was doing, overheard conversations, you know, did the whole thing. Harriet the spy. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and, and so I always knew I wanted to do it, but you know, as life happens and you get married and you have children and you have all these responsibilities and you have to get a real job, you know, I picked newspaper reporting thinking that it's writing, but it turns out it's not really the kind of writing I wanted to do. Like everything had to be true. Which was <laughs> what such, such a cramp in our style. It was such a shock. And I'd be like, but it would be so much better if it had just, if just this had happened. You know? 
So it was, it was hard for them to instill the concept of truth into me in journalism. You know, it was, it took them a while. And I started writing a humor column to keep myself amused. And that became a book. And then I wrote two nonfiction books. And so I've always just written, you know, and just written kind of blog posts, things like that. And I had a novel that I was working on for 17 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That stayed in the drawer, you know, and then I would pull it out and I would read it and periodically I'd finish it. You know, I'd get like to the end of it and I'd read it again and go, this just doesn't work. So I'd start it again and I did this for 17 years and then I found an agent and then she sold it in two weeks. Holy cow. Oh my gosh. Like the whole crazy story. And, and it was a two book contract. And so then I needed to write another book. When I read the contract one day for fun, you know, I was just sitting there, I read my contract because this will feel so good. I found out the second book was due in 11 months. I had the same thing happen to me, except my second book was due in six months. And I didn't know how to write a book. I don't, I don't no. accidentally written good structure in my first book. I had no, and I, and I failed right. in writing my second book. How did you do? Like I had to learn, I had to redo the whole thing. You did. I had, I had to just, I think my 17 years was maybe teaching yeah. me. I mean, I had no. Absolutely. And I'm sure like you, you know, I mean, like me, <laughs> you probably thought, well, we read a lot. So well, it's just instilled in our brain. It'll just happen. It'll just and happen. sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. And yeah, it did. It Actually, we got those first books. <laughs> but exactly. then you really do have to kind of learn to do it. They kind of held my hand through it, which was nice. And then I got, I did finish it because they instilled the fear of God in me. You know, it's like, if you don't finish this, you're dead. and You will never work in this town again. (laughs) (laughs) Name will be mud. Uh, And then what happened? And then what happened? I finished it. And then they gave me another two book contract. And so I guess... What I say about my process is that every day I sit down and do something, but it tends to happen that I lollygag a bit. And then as the deadline approaches, I get more and more like, I really have to do this thing. You're speaking my language. Yes. (laughs) The last two weeks before a book is due is I'm just a crazy person, you know? Not eating, not getting up in the middle of the night. You know, yeah. do your characters wake you up in the night and tell you things? And no, no, I wish no? they did. Only my, only my worries do. Yeah, I would. No. If if a character woke me up, I would be so happy. I I wake up thinking about the characters and trying to bully them a little bit in my head. So i I'd like to I'd like to switch that a little bit. Yeah, that would do be you, a good thing. Do you plot or do you um, pants? I'm mostly pants. Yeah, and. I mean, as this is, I mean, I just finished my 11th novel, so you can't pants your way through that, really. So I've learned to a little bit kind of plan, but it's, it's hard to get me to plan. I don't, I don't kind of know story first. I know character first. Me too. Me too. And when I sit down to try to plot, I I've done this enough times now that I also know that I'm not getting the best ideas, just sitting there trying to think of ideas. The ideas come when these characters are on the page and I'm writing them into corners, which they'll probably never, you know, those corners will never see the light of day, but I could not have 
gotten to what they wanted to do in the book without going into the corner, which is very frustrating. I know it is. And I'm feeling like I'm just following imaginary people around, you know, waiting for them to do something interesting, (laughs) you know, and then sometimes it's pages and pages, you know, so that's not time, you know, a good use of time. Let's say it would be nice to know. I kind of envy people who just know what their characters are going to do, but I don't, I don't kind of envy I envy them with like all of my heart, but I have to say that I, I, um, have a friend who is an incredible plotter and he worked me through structure one time for this uh, romance that I was doing and the whole book was plotted out and then I wrote it and I've never hated anything more. Like, and the book was fine. Readers like it. They can't actually tell, but I hated it. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, that really, I was teaching a, a, a writing workshop one time and we went around the first day like, what are you working on? what are you working on and a woman told me the entire plot of a novel right and it was fascinating and i'm listening and listening and then finally i said how much of it do you have written and she said oh i haven't written any of it and i thought and that novel has never been written right oh, because it hasn't she knew too much she knew you, too much and then yourself <laughs> there and there are people who are magnificent plotters i believe and who do love that discovery and you know and as that same friend jay thorne says you know if i have ten thousand words of the plot written out and the book is a hundred thousand words i'm still pantsing 90 percent of it right oh, so it's just that's something to keep in mind but i think what happens is and i've seen this with my own students is that they, the the more rigidly plotted ones as soon as the book takes a turn then they doubt everything that they've done before and after and it can be this existential existential quandary that they get stuck in yeah yeah Yeah. i think that's absolutely true so i like the way i do it even though it causes how much of it do you know do you know the ending do you know the the dark moment and i know where i hope it's going to end you know i always say it's like you know i've started in california and i'm driving across country but i don't know if i'm going to go to the ball of string in kansas or am i going to take the northern route you know see montana this time and go up that way oh that's a beautiful way to say it (laughs) so it's it's like being on on a nice trip yeah but what makes me crazy about the way i do it though is that often i'll be you know all the way to Ohio. And then I find out, you know, the main character has a brother, you know, who needed to be in the book. Who needed to be in Gainesville. And (laughs) yes, Yes, exactly. Could you not have told me that earlier? (laughs) I do. I don't know if you, if you do anything like this, but I do this thing that I encourage students to do too, is just make a note of it and write forward as if the brother has been in the whole book. I change everything yes. on paper, plot-wise, but I do nothing. Oh, that's so I don't, smart. I don't go back and add anything in. I just keep writing to the end with the brother. And then if that brother didn't really need to be there, you can kill him again and he's not through the whole book. And he, you, you don't have yeah. to kill it everywhere, right? <laughs> that's oh, really, I have a lot of trouble not writing page one four million times. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. my favorite thing is to rewrite. <laughs> I will rewrite all Me day. Too. revision is where it is at okay so i was going to ask you what your biggest challenge is do you think it's that or do you have a different biggest challenge when it comes to writing i think the biggest challenge is first drafts you know i feel like there's just all the possibilities in the universe and how do you pick one path it's so tough and also just that getting the characters 
right completely. And, and I noticed that doesn't happen as rapidly as I would wish, you know, I can think of all their characteristics, but they're not real people until I've gotten almost through the whole first draft. And then I'm have to go in and flesh them out when they become real. I just, I, I, I do the exact same thing. And sometimes they're not real at all, even in the first draft at all until I go into the it second all, draft. Yeah. And I, and I almost think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a velveteen moment, you know, uh-huh. until they're really, yeah. really beaten up. And I have just punched them in the face so many times on accident while I'm flinging my arms around and, and they finally get real by that second draft. Exactly. But, and isn't but it's that a, a really moment. It's a wonderful moment. But what it is, is it's so frustrating for people trying to complete their first draft and they say, oh, my characters don't feel real. No, they don't. They feel like cardboard cutouts. And that's yeah. normal. And you just keep pushing them around the page until they right. take that first breath. That's so true. It's so true. And then they start to really talk, yeah. you know, and start and to just matter. tell you. And then I know. I know it's the best thing. It's why we do the work, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. Oh, see, Holly knew. Holly knew that we should be talking. Exactly. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Is it that or is it something else? I think it is that, you know, just that moment where it starts to feel real. And but and then there's there's sentences, right? Oh, like yes. occasionally you discover like the way to end a chapter in a way that makes you just get up and want to oh. run around the room, you know, or or just the joy of the words themselves coming in the right order. And then you think what a crazy life this is to just be off by ourselves, making stuff up, talking to imaginary people, you know, that we're allowed to do this. We're allowed to do it is amazing. I know I always wanted this. This is the job I always wanted to have. And it's just, yeah, it's all the take it for granted. No, it's hard and it's fun and it's, it's every, it wouldn't be good if it wasn't hard, right? Because yeah. yeah, I'm sure that you're right. And on the hard days, I still want it to be a little easier. I, I might be. I'm also in revision of a book. So I know what you mean, you know, with this, the, re, the revision just came back last night and I need to wade into it and see, you know, my developmental editor just read it. And, and she wrote that letter, you know, that's like, I love it. I love it. I love it. But yes. <laughs> The revision that this won't come out for a few months. So readers, uh, listeners will have already heard us talk about this before, but um, the revision letter I got back was one page. I love it. All the, I love it. And then 17 pages of the things to fix. 17 pages. And, and on each page, there was probably a little bit of praise, but then there was, and, and, you know, she's 98% right. She does not quite enjoy my level of enthusiasm and hyperbole. And that's fine. That's a personal thing. Oh, I have a lot of that. Yeah, but the, but the stuff with structure, I will, you know, she's completely yeah. right. So what I did was I just, I was so beat up by it that I just got out a highlight. Well, I got out a highlight. I got out a virtual highlighter on the Word document and I highlight every word that was half complimentary, which was really helpful. So then when that's I opened that that's 17, 18 page document, that's what I've been looking at. <laughs> because that's all we hear anyway is the bad stuff, yes. right? You yes. have to do whatever you can do. In fact, reading a good letter, you're just like, where, wait, where's the butt? Where, where's the exactly? Butt? You don't believe it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you don't believe it anyway. <laughs> I know. I'm like, wait a minute. My editor said nice things, and she's just polite. <laughs> you know, because because that's what they get paid to do. Yeah, just be polite. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> hilarious. 
the strangest things. Oh, well. Comes with a temperament, I suppose. So yours yes. is a memoir that's being, so it's 17 pages of, of memoir changes. Yep. With, yep. And, and it was mostly your voice. It's all my voice, but it's also, but, but her problems with it were um, some structural stuff, which I knew I was struggling with. So she was spot on, but <laughs> yeah, she just, she was just spot on and everything that she's saying. And, and now that I'm firmly in it, I'm, you know, halfway through the whole revision and it's just, it's just swimming and it's fantastic and all of this, oh, good, good, but those, good. but those first 72 hours are like, Oh no. I know. When you <laughs> yeah, just want to get yeah. under your bed with the pillow. Yeah. And you suck your thumb for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but then it is amazing, isn't it? How it gets better. Like well, they get they smarter. Right? Yeah. The first time you read it, you think they're you know, just an idiot. And the second time you're like, well, maybe not an idiot. And the third time you're like, oh, you know, she's kind of, she's kind of good at this job. Huh? Maybe this I should be her job. <laughs> maybe she's an editor. <laughs> maybe she's good. Uh, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Time, she's not a writer. She doesn't know. <laughs> How dare she? How dare she write a book? Let's see. I, I think actually saying that I do think that there, there, it's valid to have those few hours or what your days or whatever you need for yeah. the, how dare she feeling. I Just like when did. we were 16 and our mom said that we couldn't go to the, you know, hell's angels party. <laughs> and then when we were 25, we're like, Oh, you know, that was probably a good idea. Mom. It's probably, probably smart. Probably smart. It's true. It's true. But I mean, what you're saying though about the tone of your book, like hyperbole. Yeah, I love hyperbole. I do too, I and my readers, hyperbole. my readers do too. Yeah. And uh, and and at least I've been around the block long enough to know that some of the places she needed, she I, I needed to be toned down a little bit. Yes, I can, I can take. But other places where she said you could tone down the the floridity of this language, and I'm thinking, no, that's just me. I really did. She, you know, she left a comment. I don't think you'd really feel this way. Fabulous. I did feel that oh, way. Yeah. And I need to make it more clear on the page that this is actually, you know, happening and how it right. felt. So it's so it's not unbelievable. And that's really helpful too. Just to know where yeah. you needed to amp it up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're going the other direction. <laughs> Thanks, but here's where we're going. <laughs> oh my I God. Know. Well, this is yeah, go on. <laughs> no, I was gonna say my my first drafts are always sort of over the top like that. And then I have to like cut it, cut it. Cut our, our, our friend Holly Robinson is one of my first and dearest readers. Um, she's, she's one of my only betas if I ever use beta readers. And, and it's hilarious because I've written a couple thrillers in the last few years and I will send the thriller to her and she will comment on every one of my most beautiful phrases. Like she'll just be thrilling to it, her whole soul singing. And those are always the exact sentences that my agent or my editor kills. And so I kind of know that if Holly and I just think it's gorgeous, it's probably got to go in a thriller. It could stay maybe in a women's fiction, but in a thriller where I'm constantly working to up the pace, it's got, it's too pretty. It's got to (laughs) go. Don't you want to just do a compilation of all of those phrases? <laughs> that would that be the most wonderful like book? An embroidery book, yeah. <laughs> you can make a poem out of it. <laughs> I actually love that idea. I have been getting more into poetry lately. That's hilarious. You go. Do it. Oh my gosh. Let's turn it back on you now. Um, okay. <laughs> can you share a, a craft tip of any sort with our listeners? Yes. I My, my craft tip is that you have to just keep going through the self-doubt. And as a, a person who teaches yeah. writing, I feel like I just see 
and I have it myself, you know, all, all these insecurities, what right do you have to be telling this story? Who do you think you are? Who's going to want to read this? No said before it's been said better. Yeah. Right. This plot, come on, this plot's been done 400 times. All the plots have been done at least 400 times. Yes. And, and developing a voice and being true to that voice is really, is, is really the key to it, I think. And it's, and as we were saying, it doesn't come out necessarily in the first 400 drafts. (laughs) It may take a while, but as somebody who had a book in the drawer for 17 years, I think, I mean, I never thought that book was going to be published. I thought it was going to be my life's work that I would always just be fiddling with it, you know, and that, that was a nice life. You know, I would just get it out and fiddle with it. And then one day I said, you know what? It's done. And I put it away for a year and then read it by accident. It came across it in my computer and went, Oh, I think I'll read this. I went, it's done. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was like done. Yeah. So, um, you know how the elves, the elves do come to the, <laughs> I wish they came more. Usually they dismantle things. Usually <laughs> you know, like you write the most brilliant stuff and you look at it the next day and the elves have just taken all the good stuff out of it. Yeah. Then I can vouch for the elves. They they get in there and they fix it. And you go, huh? I thought this is terrible. So what did what did that feel like being so attached to this seventeen year brain process, <laughs> and then churning out books? You know, it only took a year to write or less or a little bit more. How did, how does that attachment feel when you look back at that book? When I, you know, I love that book, mm-hmm. and I. I just, it it was a book that was sort of like a memoir almost. It was a novelized Mm -hmm. version of my relationship with my bipolar mom Mm -hmm. called What Comes After Crazy. And it was just a real, you know, throwing it all there, which um, she came to visit one time while I was writing. And she said, I need to see that book. I need to see it. And I'm like, "Mm, (gasps) no, no, no. It, It hadn't been published. It was still, you know, pages and pages. And I thought, I can't show it to her. But she begged and begged and begged. And finally, I just exhausted, handed it to her. And she went off and read and read and read. And she came back in. And you know what she said? You really nailed your grandmother. No, she did not. <laughs> and it just, people don't recognize themselves. They, that's what I always say. They don't recognize themselves or they see, and in the same way, they see themselves in the baker. I can't believe you made me the baker he's such a jerk i'm like I, that never crossed my mind I, is that you <laughs> yeah that's I know. hilarious I, maddie yeah. yeah she really did think it was her and um i'm like was she alive when it published yes she was alive when it published it, it, she died a few years later on her deathbed she was a hilarious southerner very irreverent crazy bipolar She's on her deathbed and she's lying there, you know, doing the deathbed scene. And she says, I just hope you'll write about me. And then she opens her eyes and leans over and goes, and what comes after crazy is not about me. She <laughs> knew. She did know. But it was probably pushed so far down that she wouldn't have known yeah. on a conscious level just on a Tuesday. Exactly. <gasps> exactly. Exactly. That's fabulous. <laughs> There's an essay in there too, if you haven't already written there that one. There is an essay in there, isn't there? I, I want to read that. Oh, gorgeous. Thank you for that. Um, What thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? 
sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Sleep. Do you struggle really, with sleep or are you a I good do. sleeper? I do because often it happens to me. I'm kind of a night rider. You know, I wish so much to be the kind that spring out of bed at 4.30 or 5 and write in the dark until everybody wakes up. But I'm more the one that if I'm up at 4, it's because I'm still up, you know. <laughs> um, and so often I'll be writing late at night and then I go to bed and I'm lying there and just the whole book plays out in a movie, oh. you know, in front of me. And I have to get up and write it because, you know, what happens if you don't? You think, oh, oh it and it never morning. comes back. It, it never, never comes back. Comes back. Never, never, never. So I think if I go too many days with that kind of schedule, I'm like, then I can't really do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I need, I need to, I wish I could get like a normal kind of schedule going, but I do love writing at night and I'll go in, I'll tell my husband it's, it's 10 30. I'm just going to go and turn off the computer, you know, and then two o'clock, you know, I'm like, Oh, I really should go to bed. It is such a delicious feeling though. When the hours are lost, Isn't it's, it? it's the, it's the absolute, you know, obviously this is an obvious statement, but it's the opposite of where you've been working for hours and you have 14 words, you know, that <laughs> I know <laughs> that's that just flow, agony, that's, yeah. which happens just as often, but yeah. the flow yeah. is such a great thing, isn't and it? It's, it's, and I, and I think about flow in the same way that I think about sleep and that we never know when we're in it. Right. If you know, when you're in it, you're out of it. Yes, exactly. Which is exactly. really frustrating. You but, only know yeah. when you look at the clock later and realize, oh my goodness, how did yeah. this happen? Yeah. How? And you can't order it up. You can't make it happen. No. And I can sit at the keyboard during the day, you know, hands on the keyboard, waiting, not a word comes or, you know, 14 mm -hmm. words that are bad, 13 of which have to be But just... The act of turning off the computer and then suddenly I see it all. I know. Do you always write on the computer or do you ever catch anything on notebooks or? I, I have all kinds of little notes and napkins and all, all around, you know, and notebooks yeah. that make no sense that I can't ever find the page that I want. I'm such a disorganized writer. I, I love it when people talk about their systems like Scrivener and stuff like that. I've never been able to make that that works I, for me. But. I start a lot of systems. I finally realized that I'm a system maker and I'm a plan maker. And then it doesn't matter when things fall apart because they always fall apart. I get the energy from making the plans and yeah. I eventually get somewhere because the plan was made and I was going somewhere and I don't beat myself up when it just Isn't that the apart. best thing? That's the nicest thing when you've done a yeah. few books and you just can know now that, okay, this is it's somehow going to work. It's, it's somehow yeah. going to work. Yeah. We don't know how, but it will. We have no, that, no, we have that trust. It's where the magic is. <laughs> Okay. So tell me if you don't mind, what is the best book that you've read recently and why did you love it? Well, I have been on, on of all things, an Ann Tyler kick. Oh, I love her. I haven't read her in so long. I know I hadn't either. And I realized I'd missed a lot of her books too. So there was this Ooh. treasure trove of books to read. And there's something about reading her, the rhythms of her, of her writing kind of, they do something to my brain where I can then go and write. Like I, mm. I read her and I want to run and write. I love and reading those kind of writers. Yes. Yes. It's so worthwhile. Cause if you're reading bad writing, don't you find it turns off the, the writing urge in you? 
it absolutely it just, does. <laughs> and it and it's also about tone too. I have a couple of girlfriends here and we were all watching the second season of Bridgerton this last weekend. Oh yeah, yeah. It came I out. And, oh, it's so good. It's really good. Oh, it's yeah. better than the first season. But then we oh, all found that when we sat down at our computer, we were using <laughs> long words and no yeah. contractions. For the next three days, we had to like weed it out of ourselves. So back to Anne Tyler, what is it that you read? I just read French Braid, which is her new one. Oh, that I haven't out. read it. And it's still it's good? really good. Oh. It's really, really good. And each time I think, oh, I'm not going to love it as much as I right. love some of the old ones that I just adore. I think that's why I haven't read her in 10 or 15 years, because I adored her so much. I'm scared that something will let me down. It didn't hold up. It didn't hold up right. I know. And she does. Oh, and that's good to know. Does. She does. Just her her characters and her phrasing and her way of just casually, it just feels like she just sat down. Yeah. Which we know is not true. <laughs> we have that illusion. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's going on my TBR pile. Speaking yeah. of TBR piles and what people should put on them, can you please tell us about the magic of found objects? Yes, I can. The Magic of Found Objects is a book that started out wanting to be about Woodstock. And it was, <laughs> and it ended up being about a, a girl, a woman who was conceived at Woodstock by two people who never should have been together. A farmer kid who had just graduated from high school and driven from the New Hampshire farm to Woodstock, New York and watch this whole thing happen and fell in love with this hippie artist who was there. And they conceived these twins and then they don't hold the marriage together. And so it's about this young woman's life and how she navigates. She's now, I had to set it in 2006 because I didn't want her to be 50. Right, <laughs> right. Um, and so she's, she kind of is figuring out love and what love means. And, um, her best friend suggests that they get married after they've both been in unhappy relationships. And do you marry your friend or do you hold out for the magic of love? And she's got these two moms that she loves her real mom, who is the crazy hippie woman and the stepmother who kind of raised her, who was you know, solid and dependable and, and each one has a different pull on her. So it was, it was fun to write. It was my pandemic book that I sat in the bed oh. in my pajamas writing. it. You know? Oh, I saw a good um, review and I was just glancing a minute ago at the Amazon page that said something like you walk in expecting a classic rom-com and you get just so much more. And I, oh, I thought that was so true and it oh. was just delicious. It was really, thank you. So thank it was such a treat to read. I appreciate that. I appreciate and that. Where can we find you online? I am at www.maddiedawson.com. M-A-D-D-I-E <laughs> instead of Matty. Um, I get called Maggie Dawson, you know, <laughs> right. like, yeah, I, I answered everything. <laughs> Thank you so, so, so much for being on the show. You are a delight and I'm so glad that we're friends now. Thank you. We're going to be best friends and I'm coming to New Zealand to see you. So excellent. That's the bed right behind, okay. right behind. That's where you'll be sleeping. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Thank you, Maddie. Bye. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? 
You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. <laughs>